When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. Most people come into couples therapy and they're like, okay, can you change my partner, please? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on the Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hey, 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 lovers. Welcome to another milestone episode of Dates and Mates. It's no secret that I love television shows about relationships and dating. But there is one that I truly hold most dear to my heart. Showtime's Couples Therapy. If you somehow don't know about the show yet, it's a documentary TV series that is a deep dive into the authentic and visceral experiences of weekly therapy, where couples confront each other and themselves. Like there's no producers behind the scenes trying to drum up drama. There's no shenanigans with the therapist. It's just a literal documentary about what it's like to be in therapy. And things sometimes get heated, but they also go incredibly deep. And man, it's just the best show. (laughs) And leading the sessions, all three seasons, is my favorite therapist. She's not my personal therapist, but I mean, anyone, once you watch the show, anyone would want to be a client of hers. My guest today is the one, the only Dr. Orna Goralnik, and she's going to be sharing how she leads couples to some extraordinary breakthroughs on that show and beyond. She'll talk about the best and the worst ways to show up in partnership and what she has learned along the way. Now, Dr. Orna is based in New York City, so you're going to hear the sounds of the city a little more than usual. But as an absolute stan of the show, I loved every minute of her conversation. And I love that she is joining me from the very office that you see on Couples Therapy. (laughs) So, you know, this is legit. There are so many therapeutic gems and insights on what goes on behind the scenes. And I cannot wait for you to hear from Dr. Orna. But first, you know, we got a dish to serve up. Could knowing your partner's argument style be a relationship game changer? That's the headline. And then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. I'm getting ready for a big cross-country move. Should I put a pause on dating? All right, folks, get cozy on your therapist's couch because it's time to dish. These dating dish. Refinery29 says knowing your partner's argument style can be a relationship game changer. The first thing to establish here and that they they talk about in the article is that arguing is actually very common and conflict is an inevitable part of life and especially of relationships. So this is why understanding the different argument styles can be key to learning how to communicate better and actually how to argue better. Huh? Argue better? Yes, like a healthier way of arguing to get to common ground, right? And I really want to emphasize that this is different from diagnosing your partner 
as we are so tempted to do because of therapy talk. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We'll talk to Dr. Orna a little bit about therapy talk later. But basically, these are just all tools to help us to become the best version of ourselves. And I truly believe that partnership is the thing that shines a mirror up to you and helps you see the areas that you need to evolve to be the best version of yourself. And really through understanding things like argument styles or things like attachment theory or even love languages. And I talk about this a lot in my book, which will be out in January. But I really think it's most useful when we use them to understand ourselves better rather than pointing the finger and being like, my partner does that. So according to the article, there were four different argument styles. I also did a deep dive into Dr. John Gottman's work and the Gottman Institute's work in relationships in preparation for my book. And they have a slightly different but very similar uh, understanding of of conflict resolution styles. They actually have five. But, but these four are a good start. And this article is a good start. So first, there's what they call attacking style. These are folks that are conflict prone. This style relies on pointing things out that others are doing wrong. And it's motivated usually by feelings of anger or annoyance. So this might be your style if you tend to start sentences with you you never, you always, you. And the challenge with this, there are many challenges with this, it doesn't necessarily tell your partner what you want or need from them. So it really exacerbates conflict and kind of puts partners on the defensive because they feel attacked. Speaking of defensive, that's the second one. In defensive style, it comes out in all scenarios, but particularly when you are on the receiving end, of an attacking argument, and it involves defending yourself and attempting to offer explanations or deny accusations, and it leaves little room for the conflict to be solved. I find that when you get into this dynamic, the best thing you can do is to step out of content. That's what I had a therapist tell me a number of years ago. Step out of content, because then we we try to get our point across by trying to deliver more facts. And a lot of times when we're in conflict, we're not rational. (laughs) We may have different facts based on our personal experience that we are reacting from. So try to get out of content and try to bridge to understanding. The third argument style is withdrawing. And that affects the argument in two ways, depending on whether you are being withdrawn from or whether you are the one withdrawing. And another version of withdrawing is when someone remains passive. So withdrawing also does not get to resolution. And then there's the holy grail of argument styles that is open. This is when you're able to consider the whole situation from different perspectives while remaining calm. And here's the big takeaway for you today. Like, even if something I said resonated for you, either in a partner or maybe in yourself, I don't want you to, like, label yourself as, I am the withdrawn style, and therefore, therefore, that is who I am, and that is unchangeable. 
I think we can all be working towards being more open to being better communicators, better partners, more present, better listeners. And this is the work of being in a relationship. You know, when people say relationships are work, it's like, mm, they're, they're kind of work, but they're not really like that kind of work. But they're, a lot of it is self-work, right? So one of the ways to start to address some of these patterns in your argument style that may not be serving you in relationships and to clarify which of these styles you're most drawn to is first by noticing what is happening in your body during a conflict. Pause in an argument and check in with yourself. Do you notice your heart racing? Do you notice your legs feeling twitchy because you want to run away from the situation? Do you feel so angry that you don't even know what you're saying? You're not choosing your words. All of this is what they call interoception. This is something that I'm really, really passionate about helping people develop in dating. Interoception. What is happening inside your body? Developing your interoception can help you in so many ways in a relationship. It can help you in dating. And I feel that it helps you tune your intuition. It can help you understand where your triggers are. It can help you realize when you are starting on a, a road that is going to end in a way that you don't want it to end before you get to that ending point. So really consider this. I'll be talking more about interoception on the show in the future, but just asking yourself that one question of what am I feeling in my body when I'm in an argument, when I'm feeling sort of triggered, what do I feel? And remember that the ultimate goal in an argument is to feel heard and understood. Whether it's on a first date, whether it's as you're getting to know someone, whether it's further down the line in a relationship, this is a vital piece of communication and connection that will help you in all areas of your life. When we come back, the incredible Dr. Orna Goralnik will be here to share what she's learned as the therapist at the center of Showtime's hit documentary series, Couples Therapy, and how you can show up as your best self in your partnerships. Big news coming your way, y'all. For the last three years, I have put a pause on my one-on-one -on -one personalized VIP coaching program. You know how it's been. I've been out here doing Drew Barrymore show, flying back and forth to New York, writing a book, doing this fantastic show for you. But you know what? I missed it. I've missed you. And I wanted to create an opportunity for me to do what I have always done for the last 15 plus years and help people step by step in finding love. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to get a personalized dating plan and personalized support to guide you every step along the way to break out of the cycle of those five dating loops, to get your mindset aligned with what you want and the person that you want to attract into your life, to help you find new dates, to help you figure out who is worth your time, to give you the confidence to show up authentically as your best self on dates, and then to close the loop and move the relationship from connection into the future. And the best way for me to do that for you and with you is by working with you one-on-one. -on -one. So we are opening up a few select spots in our Diamond VIP one-on-one -on -one Dates and Mates Method coaching program. If this piques your interest, and if you want to see if you qualify to be one of the people that makes it into the program this year, 
All you got to do is sign up for a 20-minute assessment call with my VIP coach, Yogi Marquise. You can do that by going to DemonaHoffman.com slash VIP program. Again, that's DemonaHoffman.com slash VIP program. There you'll have the option to sign up for a 20-minute consultation for just 47 bucks. You will sit down with Coach Yogi Marquise via Zoom, and he'll get to understand what your unique dating challenge is and give you a roadmap if he feels that the Dates and Mates team is right to help you with your dating challenges. So sign up now before all the slots are gone at DemonaHoffman.com slash VIP program. Welcome back. Ooh, I'm so excited for this one. Let me tell you about Dr. Orna Goralnik. She is a clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst practicing in New York City. She lectures and publishes on the topics of couples treatment, culture, and psychoanalysis. Her article, I'm a Couples Therapist, Something New is Happening in Relationships, was actually featured in the New York Times in May and went totally viral. And of course, she is the host of the hit Showtime television series, Couples Therapy. I promise you, I've been track, trying to track this lady down and get her on my podcast for the last two years. So it is with great pleasure that I say, please let us give some big smooches to Dr. Orna Garalnik. Thank you, Demona. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Orna, I, I have been following you for years. I I saw the very first episode of couples therapy on Showtime, the very first season when it aired. And I knew that you had something, you had something really special. So I've been wanting to have you on the show for so long. I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you. We got to talk about your work because, you know, as someone who also has counseled singles and couples in dating and relationships on TV, I know it's not easy to create that magic that you've created and to really create a safe space where people feel like they can share openly. You just really like, you unravel them and you bring all the walls down. And I just want to know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you get people to reveal themselves when they know that the cameras are running? Um, it's not very different from what I do in my office. I mean, the cameras are there in a way they just augment something that's already happening. And I think the whole profession, the whole therapeutic profession or psychoanalytic practice is premised on the idea that if you create a space, people will walk into it. People want to share of themselves. They want to connect. It's our natural inclination. So really what I'm doing is just like listening and people are talking to me. Mm-hmm. That listening piece, it's very, it's very important. I talk a lot about listening on the show for daters as well, because especially when we are, we are trying to create a certain outcome, sometimes we forget to listen and we tend to push. I know you've, you've dealt with that on your, on your uh, therapist couch a lot, but I, I want to understand a little bit more about your process because it's, it's different than I think what most people think of when they think therapy. And there's a difference between psychoanalysis and like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Can you explain the difference? Sure. I mean, there are many things to say about it, but um, behavioral therapy and 
cognitive behavioral therapy, they, um, these are different methods to basically problem solve, to help people deal with a particular issue that they're coming with by trying to analyze many different important conscious components of what's going on for the person. Um, what are the, I mean, in, in classic CBT language, what are the antecedents, what are the behaviors and what are the consequences and help people kind of unravel patterns that get in their way. Um, psychodynamic work and psychoanalytic work in particular, we think a lot more about the unconscious motivation that underlie behaviors. It can be unconscious motivations, all sorts of inner conflicts, conflicting needs and fears. It can be um, traumas from the past that haunt the person without them knowing it. It could be ways in which they're um, responding to errands that were handed down to them by their family, all sorts of unconscious motivations that are taking over why a person behaves. And what we try to do in, in a more psychoanalytic method is to listen, but listen to a different register, listen to less conscious registers of what is um, troubling a person. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And you get in there in a, in a whole different way. And it's, it's almost like, are there, I'm curious if there are certain things that you always look for, or if everything is always tailored to a response to what you're hearing. Um, that's a good question. I would say both. And, um, in a way, I'm always looking, first of all, I'm always listening to the unconscious, to what is beyond what a person is saying. And that could be many things. And there are, um, by virtue of my training of being a psychoanalyst and, and doing this for many years, there are certain things that I'm kind of clued into. So I listen for early family dynamics, attachment histories. I listen for when is trauma in the works. I listen for personality structure. And then I have my own particular interests in terms of like how do background, more societal issues kind of governing the way a person or a couple are behaving with each other. It could be like their class belonging, race belonging, religion, ideology. Um, could be like, again, intergenerational stuff. There are lots of things that I'm trained to listen for. At the same time, people are completely different. While we're all very similar, we're also all very different. And especially when I'm listening to a couple, the, the, the particular matrix that two people create between them as a couple is always unique and always surprising. So I'm sort of doing both and I'm both like always surprised by what people are bringing. And I kind of know nothing when I'm sitting with a person at the same time, of course, I have like plenty of like experience and theory and, and training. So it's both a beginner's mind and a seasoned person's mind. Mm, I love the way that you phrase that and looking at it also from all of those different angles that you mentioned. I read your New York Times piece um, about the some of the new conversations that are emerging um, 
in therapy and just emerging in the in the world, but that are impacting relationship dynamics. What do you see? You've you've been doing this for a long time, Doctor Orna. What do you see as the biggest um, elements that are shifting for relationships today? Um, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think what I was trying to capture in that essay um, was. If it's really two things. It's not one thing. It's, first of all, the fact that we are all learning with these social justice movements. We're learning really what it means to understand ourselves as part of systemic issues, as part of systemic forces that are kind of running through us. Um, and that's a very big lesson that affects how couples understand each other, that they understand that they're not just their own individual unique self that is making choices that they can fully be accountable for, but they're also part of like larger forces that either they're leaning on or suffering from. And um, paying mind to that is a very different way of understanding what's governing the dynamic between two people. Yeah. So one thing is understanding ourselves as part of systems, whether it's racial systems, class systems, political systems, that, that, that we're part of something. Um, and the other more specific thing that I think has been like hugely impactful in terms of how people relate to each other is really grappling with a specific issue of privilege. Um, I think that's changed all of us very dramatically. And the, the thing I was trying to really put my finger on in writing this essay is that um, it when you really understand privilege, how privilege kind of shapes the way we experience the world and how people differ in terms of like the kind of privilege they walk around the world with or without. When you really understand that, you something very fundamental changes inside you and in terms of your ability to understand what might be happening between you and another person. When you really get, for example, that you might be walking around the world with um, feeling um, comfortable in a particular way that you never even thought of, and your partner never enjoyed that level of ease in the world, gender, race, class. When you really understand that difference between the two of you, a whole new way of listening to each other opens up. Yeah. I I have been living this, <laughs> I would say like the last few years, but really, you know, my entire life is somebody who has like all of the intersectionalities, <laughs> like so many. Um, and I was, I was really glad to see that explored also in, um, in this second half of season three of couples therapy. Um, you're not afraid to go there. And it's, it's really, I think it's an important element to bring into the conversation because there's just there's no way that you can really meet your partner where they're at without understanding the layers of that. And, you know, as somebody who both as a woman, like 
<laughs> like this is this the the silliest little little um example of this, but my husband always parks in he he doesn't want to fight for parking. So he'll park in the furthest spot just because he doesn't want to like go up and down the aisles and and there was a day where we were parking for a movie we were going to a movie together and he parked in this like dark part of the parking structure. And to me, I I was like, wow, you get to not think about the fact that it's not safe. Yeah. Right? I would never, never have chosen to park here. And it was just such a tiny example of how there's these, these micro moments of how privilege or perspective even shows up in our daily lives. And I just started to think of if we unpacked that, how many other choices and how many other moments are colored by that point, that perspective that we sit in. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, the car, there could be like a huge, uh, seriously, there could be a book written about like the different experiences people have, what they do with their car based on, you know, gender, race and class. It's, it's pretty amazing. But once you really start thinking about that, then you can have so much of a deeper, wider grasp of your partner's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to have these conversations. Like I, I also, as somebody who comes from a multicultural background, I really think, I feel like having... What's your background, Demona? I am... Uh, Black and Jewish. So my mom is from the projects in Detroit and my dad is from a suburb of Chicago, son of immigrants. And so I and I grew up in the Midwest in a in a very, you know, kind of waspy neighborhood where I was always othered. And yet I now feel with the perspective I have as an adult that I have access to many different worlds. My my stepmother is Mexican American, my sister-in-law is Indian American. I love that melting pot experience and I think really the best way to bridge to bridge divides the divides between us is by caring for another person who's different, getting to know another person who's different. I know you grappled with this a little bit too in the um in the last season with with Christine and Nadine and it it was interesting to watch to watch you even you know as as the the therapist you're sort of outside of the action but it seemed like that conver- those conversations really touched you in a personal place as well totally yeah and by that it makes me think that you said earlier that i'm not afraid to go there i think it's not exactly that i'm not afraid to go there i think i'm always afraid to go there like all of us but I feel like it's very necessary. There's no, you can't really do the work without going there. Mm. Um, I think going there is always a, a risky thing. I mean, it's it's easy to kind of keep yourself out of the action and pretend that you're not part of it. Um, but it's dishonest. It's not really the truth of the matter. And and with Christine and Nadine, it was very powerful. Uh, from the moment they walked in and I understood what their background is. I was just completely in it as, you know, someone who's half Israeli and and American and the whole relationship between our nations. And 
Christine is Palestinian and Nate and Nadine is of a kind of a very interesting mixed background of Mexican and Lebanese. Oh, wow. You know, and wow. Lebanon has its own like crazy history with Israel. So. Yeah. I, I just see these conversations as such an opportunity. And I actually wrote a piece for the Washington post um, that interestingly, I, I got, um, I wrote it three years ago. I got, a hate comment just this week about it, um, where I was talking about just examining our ideas on race as it comes to dating and relationships. Because I think we give ourselves a pass a lot of the time in dating um, to not examine those things. Oh, well, this is just my preference. This is this is what I'm attracted to. And I'm just so interested in that... Um, how those beliefs get formed, Orna. Like I know, right? Where, like it's not just your preference. And if we really unpack it, and we say, "Well, why is that your preference?" It's there to me. That is really fertile soil for self discovery. But a lot of people they don't want they don't, they don't want the self discovery. They don't want to go there, as we were saying earlier, and and they don't want that process. And um, you know, I, I'm going to keep doing the work that I'm doing. I, I'm addressing it in my book that's coming out next year, too. I'm sure I'm going to get more hate mail. Um, but I'm kind of like, in a way, I've been getting hate mail from the world my entire life. Yeah. And you can choose to hear it and internalize it, or you can choose to to move forward with it. But or Or use it to understand something about the world we're living in. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 very interesting for me when people don't want to look at their stuff. You dealt with a little bit of this in season, season three, part two as well. Mm -hmm. I, Oh, Dr. Orna watching you work with Sean. (laughs) And I know, uh, I, I, I know it, it, it brought up something, a different side of, of you, it seemed, in, yeah. in, the, in the process. And I've dealt with some challenging people, um, you know, on some of the shows that I've worked with in the past. How do you get underneath it when, when somebody, especially someone who's in partnership with somebody that's like, I'm in pain, I need this process to heal our relationship, and the other person is just like, we're fine. Everything is fine. This isn't an issue. This is your problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's kind of a multi-layered, multi-layered. Yeah. But, um, first of all, when one person in a partnership is in pain and the other person says they're not, that's not, that's, I don't believe that ever could be true. It's just that the person who's not in pain is out of touch with some some way that they're not well in the relationship. Um, so it's just a matter of time and how to get access to that part of the person. Um, because people in a relationship, the relationship is my patient and it's the unit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your liver is suffering, ultimately the kidney is suffering too. It's not, there's no way for it not to impact each other um, in some way. Um, but in terms of like my own, like, how do I get underneath it? How do I deal with it? To some degree, um, it's a little bit of like the client is always right 
in the sense that if I can't get through to someone, my basic stance is I'm, it's my failing and I have to figure it out. Um, so if I'm not connecting to someone, what am I failing to understand? How am I failing to create some kind of empathic link there? What am, what am I blocked to? Uh, what about that other person? Am I refusing to accept on their terms? Is there some part of me that I'm like um, shielding myself from? So I, I have to go back and ask myself, what's going on? Like, wh what am I refusing here? And with Sean, what helped me a lot were my peers. Um, Like, wh where am I failing to see the part of him that is actually asking for help? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really powerful moment to see that shift in you mm -hmm. as well. Like, you know, there was a moment where you're like, I, I can't help. I can't help right. them. I'm not the right therapist. This isn't it. And to see how that transformation in you created the transformation in him. You could see yeah. it in his body language. He, his, he softened, he opened up, he shared things he hadn't shared in weeks. And I don't know on the show how long you're with these these people. And, and you know, what people don't realize about unscripted television is that it's all of these moments that are truncated. Right. So I'm sure that was a, a long process of unfolding. But it is really interesting to watch both from the therapeutic perspective and even for for someone in a relationship that when you when you shift and when you open up in a different way it can create a transformation in the other person too that is such that is such an important um principle in systemic work with couples that you don't i mean most people come into couples therapy and they're like, okay, can you change my partner, please? And I, in explicit and implicit ways, really what I'm trying to convince them is to change something in themselves that will then lead to change in their partner, in their dynamic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that I had to go, I had to go through some, something in myself to be able to get out of the impasse with Sean. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, it was like the whole series really is like a masterclass in in relationships. And for our single listeners, I I really I recommend that they watch the whole thing. But I I'm curious to to know from all of your years of of clinical study and of having a thriving practice and seeing so many different couples and so many situations speaking to the single people what how can they best show up in their next relationship and be a a good partner i think it's probably a combination of first of all show up as yourself know yourself and and show up as yourself not as someone else and um, I think it's important for people to think about what they want out of a relationship 
not not I'm not meaning it like what do you want? I want uh, you know, a dog and someone to go watch a movie with. I, I don't mean that. I mean what's your why are you getting into a relationship? Um and a good reason to get into a relationship is to expand beyond who you are. Not to just like pull someone into what you already are and what you know, but to pull yourself out of yourself into something more new, different, give more of yourself, learn new things, learn about someone else. If that's your motivation, it's going to get wonderful, really interesting, complicated. But if your motivation is to pull someone into you, that's going to be trouble. Oh, I co-sign everything you just said. And that's why I always start my clients with the mindset piece of both how are you thinking about relationships? What is What are those prevailing thoughts that are really guiding your actions in dating? And then what do you want, like you just said? And then what do you have to offer? I think sometimes we, we've Forget yeah. that. And we're just like, how is someone going to meet me and match me? And I, I've kind of deconstructed also. There's just there's so much out there. I, I'm sure as a as a psychoanalyst, it gets under your skin. The information that's out there on like TikTok and Instagram where people are like, OK, this is this is my love language. And this is this is my attachment style self-diagnosed uh, <laughs> and how we use that sort of as a as a tool to say, this is who matches me. Like you got to get me or get me or get out. And I really look at it from a, a totally different perspective of it's a tool to better understand how to relate to your partner. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no, sometimes. Like <laughs> yes, I agree. Sometimes there's, there's just, we're trying to shortcut everything. And and we're we're thin slicing a lot of the information and it's great that it's out there and it's accessible but you know it's kind of like a weapon in the wrong hands can do some damage right yeah. yeah so obviously i recommend everyone does therapy and 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 has before they not even before they can do it concurrently while while dating i think we really do learn in motion um, but I, I work really hand in hand with therapy in helping people to step into conscious relationships. I think that's really what we're both talking yeah. about. Yeah. So if someone has never, has never begun that process, maybe they've, they've, they've scrolled TikTok and Instagram. Um, it sounds interesting, but what do you say to get somebody really to to do the work like if there maybe I'm sure there's people that are like I've heard of therapy it's kind of scary to me I don't know I watched the show I don't know Dr. Orna she yeah. gets so deep with people how do you make it not scary um it's interesting we have someone that we're working with now on the show that kind of came in with that attitude I think what I look for is the 
the beginning thread of curiosity about oneself, which most people that, you know, when they're not like completely deadened, they have some beginning of curiosity about themselves. And I don't know where it sits, but they might say something and then I'll say, wow, that that's really interesting. What do you think about that? Or people suddenly want to share a dream or the beginning of seeing that there's something about themselves that is not obvious that they don't know. And and they have the beginning of like some kind of curiosity. What might this be about that in my mind is the beginning of like therapy. Mm. And if, Mm -hmm. if people are like really deadened in that way, they, they have no curiosity about what might be motivating them or what might be going on for them or how are they feeling? If there's really none of that, then don't go to therapy. I mean, it's a dead end. What are we even doing? What are we doing? I I just, you know, why why go through life with your eyes closed? Yeah. Dr. Orna, I'm so excited. If there is a season four, I'm very excited to see it. (laughs) I just before you go, I'm curious why. Why do couples therapy on Showtime? Um, you you have had a successful practice for many, many, many years. What made you say yes? Um, yeah, it's one of those questions that probably I'll have a different answer for it as I, you know, continue to grow old. Um, but the most immediate thing was, um, it sounded really interesting. Um, I like taking on new things. Um, it sounded really interesting and really worrisome. Um, I was worried that if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it and they're going to portray the field in some way that I'm, that's going to make me cringe. Um, I was, um, tickled by the risk involved in doing it. Um, and I, when I started talking to the directors, the, the people who really Josh Kriegman and Elise Steinberg, when they, when I started talking to them about their idea, it, we just really clicked. We really connected as people and I just found them to be, and they continue to be just these really interesting, solid, amazing people. And I just felt like, oh my God, I, these are people I'd like to do something with. Wow. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Orna. Be sure to follow Dr. Orna on Instagram at Orna Goralnik. That's O-R-N-A-G-U-R-A-L-N-I-K. And check out Couples Therapy on Showtime. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. Is dating casually before a big move a bad idea? I'll tell you in a sec. I always love to hear what's on your mind, and I especially love to hear it in your voice. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. This one is a voicemail from a listener we'll call S. Hi, Damona. I'm a finishing PhD student, and I'm getting ready for a big cross-country move in the next six months. As you can imagine, I have a lot on my plate. And... I am curious about short-term dating, 
but I could use some advice. On the one hand, I think it would be good practice. That way, when I get into this new environment, I'm ready to dive in feet first. But on the other hand, with everything that's going on, I don't know if it's going to be a good distraction or if it's just going to add more stress. I would love to get your advice on how to go about short-term casual dating or any advice about dating right before a big move. Thank you so much for your time and your advice. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Such a great question and such a relatable question because for the last 15 plus years that I've been coaching, I'm always hearing from people, is this a good time? Should I wait until next season? Should I wait until I lose 10 pounds? Should I wait until I finish grad school? Should I wait? Should I wait? Should I wait? And I'm sort of of two minds around this. I think you should never wait to start your life. And I'm also thinking you're about to experience a big move. And I wonder if forming a meaningful relationship would sort of prevent you from living out the dream that you are about to step into. Meaning, if you meet someone in the next six months that you would be unable to leave or unable to focus on finishing your PhD. But I got to come back to my core, my core belief that partnership is the most important thing in our life. Who you choose to partner with, who you choose to spend your time with, who you build your life with is more important than anything else. And if you feel a drive to move towards that, I would really hate for you to just squash that feeling because of some potential mm, outcomes that may arise or may not. So I would say if you could kind of capture for yourself what what is the goal of your dating right now. If the goal is to work on some of these skills that I'm always talking about with dating being a learned skill, like to practice your flirting, to practice your conversation techniques, to get better at body language and more comfortable in your own skin. If you would like to devote your time to working on that, then great. I think you should do that. However, if it's at the point where it impedes your ability to pursue your goals or it encroaches upon your values, then we have to reevaluate that. So you may have heard me say on the show before, goals and values are the two biggest predictors of long-term compatibility. But sometimes when we catch feelings, goals and values go out the window. And so obviously, if you're getting a PhD, you've put a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of investment into this path that you're on. So I can't tell you whether you should just wait or whether dating someone would uh, distract you from that. But I can tell you, you should be asking that question of yourself as you are going through the dating process. I absolutely think put a profile up, start chatting, see what happens, or even see what happens if you are practicing dating out in the wild. It's summertime. You can do this now. <laughs> but you've really got to check in with yourself to see where you're at and communicate that 
when you have clarity to the person that you're dating. Because it wouldn't be fair to them if they fall madly in love with you and you're like, by the way, gotta go. <laughs> I'm leaving, moving all the way across the country. But I've seen crazy things happen as I've seen people fall in love unexpectedly right before a big move. And someone says, you know what, I'm going to come with you and we're going to do this together. I've seen people move across country and then move back. I've seen people leave the their entire country, family, home behind and build a new life with someone they met. And I've seen it happen very quickly within less than six months in many cases. So that's kind of the adventure here, right? You're stepping into a new adventure and anything could happen. I encourage you to stay in the game if you have the energy for it. But I also encourage you to check in with yourself regularly to set some parameters around it, like how much time you're going to devote to dating right now, and to really track how that is impacting the other areas of your life. But just know, it all has a place. Short-term casual dating is okay. Dating for long-term relationship is okay. Choosing to stay single and date yourself also okay, if you make it okay. So choose your own adventure, S. I'm excited for your future and what will unfold from here. Be sure to let us know how the move goes. Ooh, before we go, I just want to give a little listener shout out slash update. You may have remembered we got a question from Miss M in the All Dear Demona episode a few weeks ago. We got a message. Miss M says, Dear Demona and team, thank you. I am so grateful for you and Dates and Mates. As usual, your advice is spot on, and I appreciate the work you're doing so much. I loved hearing all the other questions as well. I'm happy to report that between the time I recorded and now, I met a really sweet and nice, trustworthy man who has aligned values, is a clear and direct communicator, and who is open to exploring Shabari. LOL. <laughs> we have great chemistry and are now in an open relationship practicing ethical non-monogamy together. I did take Shabari off my profile too, and I definitely agree with your advice about not front-loading with that. Thanks for everything. Thank you, Miss M. We appreciate the updates, and we love hearing that we're making a meaningful impact on your dating lives. If you haven't heard it yet, we'll put the link in the show notes to that fabulous Dear Demona episode. It was an instant classic, if I do say so myself. I hope you enjoyed episode 469 of Dates and Mates. And if you have a question, just know the DMs are always open. You can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Demona Hoffman. Go ahead and leave me a voicemail there, just like our listener S did. Or you can give me a call or shoot me a text at 424-246-6255. We're going to be back next Tuesday. Yes, it is 4th of July. And yes, it is the perfect time for me to share a mini-sode on how to flirt better and put yourself out there for love this summer. Plus, we're going to introduce a cool new summer series that you'll be hearing right here inside of Dates and Mates. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.